add? Well, I think we ought to uh, chat a little bit about, you know, how to think about renouncing U.S. citizenship. I don't actually think that it's necessarily whether you're a covered expatriate or not. Uh, I don't think that when people, I, I actually do not think that uh, as high a percentage of people as are imagined are renouncing specifically because of tax issues, okay? They're renouncing because of the, you know, what they what they accurately perceive as the very intrusive regulatory regime, and because U.S. citizenship uh, is a problem living outside the United States, either for uh, access to financial accounts or you know because they're dual tax residents in another country, and I find that people approach this and they think about it for a long time, uh, you know, as if they can somehow arrive at some right answer to this question. And unfortunately, what making a decision means in the context of citizenship renunciation is uh, not getting a right answer, but trying to decide which set of circumstances you'd rather live with going forward in life, recognizing that you know, you're just doing the best you can. And I think that people tend to overthink this. I think this is something that, you know, people should feel their way through. Okay. Um, the, the problem is that nobody can ever reach a decision they're completely happy with. Okay. I mean, U.S. citizenship has some value. There's no doubt about it. It's just that the cost of having it is so high unless you want to live in the United States, that people you know, are feeling they're forced out of it. And I'll kind of close with this, that I had a discussion with somebody yesterday who, you know, he contacted me a, a few years ago at least. And, you know, he'd sent me notes, oh, I don't know, you know, two or three times in a period of two or three years, right? And... So he signed up for consultation, and you know, so I had a met him and had a discussion with him this week. And what struck me about it was that this guy had obviously been thinking about this for a few years. And you know, I said to him, "You know, do you really want?" You know, he was like he's about seventy, okay, so he's older than your group. But I said, "Do you really want people?" at your celebration of life, delivering a eulogy saying, well, you know, this person spent the last five years of his life thinking about whether to renounce U.S. citizenship. I don't think the concept, I don't think this is worth the effort that a lot of people put into it. Uh, that makes it even worse. I think the question is simply, which set of circumstances would you rather live with, right? And so much of this depends on where people are, their stage in life. I mean, I think for young adults starting out in life, I think U.S. citizenship has far more value, you know, because of the job market or what have you in the United States. But as you get older, the value diminishes every year. You know, you're not building a life there. You've got no access to health care, you know, long run, things like that. And the older people get, 
uh, or the more they, you know, their lives get sorted out and they get integrated into other countries, for example, professional licenses that aren't easily transferable. I think the less they're giving up. So you think the sooner the better in terms of renunciation? No, not necessarily. I think it depends on individual circumstances. I am not, by the way, okay, you might think so, but I'm actually not a huge advocate of renouncing U.S. citizenship for everybody, right? You know, I think that for younger people, I think they ought to keep it and organize their lives to, you know, survive it uh, until they reach the point where it's clear that the costs are simply too high. Uh, you know, or that, you know, it's not reasonable to expect any move there for employment purposes or career purposes. I think this is all very individualized. However, I will say this, that U.S. citizenship is the only citizenship in the world that has clear, identifiable benefits in renouncing. Uh, for many people... It's the single best financial investment they'll ever make in their lives. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, not a joke. You know, because of the double taxation, which does exist contrary to what the tax preparers tell you, because of the, the punitive U.S. taxation of non-U.S. assets, think PFIX, et cetera, et cetera. But I would also say that for many people, renunciation of U.S. citizenship can be a very, very important estate planning vehicle. Right. Uh, now, these would be for very high net worth people. But I mean, let's say you've got, well, let's look at, you know, Ron Wyden's Billionaires Tax Act that he proposed, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, he wants to go after these people. And it's very, very clear that for somebody like, first of all, if you had a billion dollars, um, you're going to be subject to the U.S. estate tax, right? You know, which is going to be very, very high. Mm. aren't you better off renouncing and paying a 23.8% capital gains tax instead of a 40% estate tax? Yeah. It starts yeah. making more sense when you hit a certain. Yeah, well, that's level. right. So, I mean, this is, you know, this is extremely, uh, you know, individual dependent conversation. And I hope that, you know, for anybody listening to this, I mean, I, mean, I know it's all, it's always great to, you know, hear somebody talk about this, you know, for a while. But I think that, you know, I'm not, you know, I think it ought to be clear uh, to any reasonable listener of this that this is a highly circumstance-dependent decision. Okay, I would also add there are people who should absolutely not renounce. Not renounce. And these would be people who would have I mean, remember how the estate tax rules in the United States, right? If you're a non-resident alien, meaning a non-citizen, and let's say you own, you know, a $10 million piece of real estate in the United States and you own it personally, you know, they're gonna they're you know, they're gonna subject that to an estate tax when you die. They're gonna want like 40% of that. If you're a non-resident alien, if you're a US citizen, though, you avoid that. Right. Okay. If you have a lot of US assets, yeah. There Keep are also American. circumstances where, uh, under certain tax treaties, U.S. citizens get preferred benefits. You know, I think I remember mentioning to you, uh, you know, to your amazement, I think in our first podcast, how U.S. citizens in France 
you know, as per the treaty, basically avoid French tax on, you know, certain kinds of U.S. investment income. So, I mean, you know, this is not a simple thing. Uh, there are a lot of bells and whistles. So much of it depends on what you're left with right after that, that I think that people should get help, okay? You know, I think they, you know, I think that, Almost all of them need it, you know, in varying degrees. But uh, citizenship renunciation certainly can be uh, an estate planning tool uh, for a lot of people, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, it. I mean, all of this is the result of an archaic, deplorable, indefensible, immoral system of taxation. I'd be so down for just a flat tax or something. <laughs> you know, the U.S. tax system has to go, because partly because it's not only is it outrageously unfair. I mean, think of it. Americans abroad are subjected to a more punitive tax system than the resident Americans. You know, we've talked about the exit tax rules that apply more punitively to Americans abroad. Uh, it's an outrageously fair tax system with, you know, a, with different rules applied to categories of people, uh, you know, without regard to much else. But that's only the beginning of the problem. The compliance with it is practically impossible. Uh, you know, as an expatriation lawyer, I see people's tax returns because they need to be compliant for five years. And, uh, you know, um, many of them have severe mm -hmm. compliance deficiencies they don't even know about, right? Yeah, I'm sure you have some worse stories. And then you stories. got the cost of it. Then you got the you know uh, the sheer cost of it. You know, it can be. I mean, I was you know I was in Europe last month, and I was at a dinner, and this guy told me, I, I didn't press him on this whether this is really true, but I did ask him to repeat it. Okay, he told me that his U.S. tax, he's a U.S. citizen, his U.S. tax compliance costs are forty thousand dollars a year. All right. Now, maybe, depending on what's going on. But what was interesting to me, he said, and, oh, and by the way, at the end of it, I never owe any U.S. tax. Right. I mean, you know, if that isn't just a pure tax on citizenship. Compliance is expensive. Hey, I have a question for you, John, before we wrap up. What's your over under on Canada implementing citizenship based taxation? A lot of people have been predicting this. Um, I don't think it's very, very likely at all, uh, partly because uh, it's not easy to sever tax residency from Canada. Uh, you know, tax residency in Canada is based on a test called being ordinarily resident. And what that means, if, if your center of gravity, you know, if your spouse and kids are in Canada, you're going to be a tax resident. Uh you know, et cetera, or the 183-day thing. And Canada also imposes uh, a departure tax. It's not as brutal as the U.S. tax because it excludes pensions, but it is a departure tax. Um, I think that because you can't just leave Canada and, uh, and also, uh, you know, if you become a treaty non-resident, you're still subject to the departure tax. I don't think that Canada's got any problems with this at all. Frankly, um, 
you know, you leave, you pay the departure tax. I mean, I would think that Canada would be wanting to get rid of people. So they, you know, shake them down for, I don't think it's very likely. Um, well, what are you, what are you hearing? Uh, Nomad Capitalist has predicted, uh, could be as soon as within the next five to 10 years. I definitely see it. I mean, the deficit keeps growing and Canada likes copying everything the U.S. does. Um, and so many Canadians are starting to leave for more than six months a year and get tax residency in Costa Rica and whatever. And they, they probably want to do something to cut down on that. Also, Australia implemented like a light form of citizenship-based taxation recently with some weird rules. And it's not all or nothing. I feel like some countries are starting to introduce elements of citizenship-based taxation, not as all out as the U.S., but pieces of it inspired by the U.S. And I'm sure it'll creep into larger and more well, onerous taxation over time. Yeah. So, well, you're talking about our, you know, rules that make it more difficult to sever tax residency with Canada. Okay. Um, I would agree that I think all of these countries are likely to um, pay more attention to what it means to sever tax residency. But I, you know, I think this is partly the result of the whole remote work uh, thing, you know, et cetera. I mean, if somebody, you know, let's say a Canadian moves to uh, anywhere, uh, say the Bahamas, uh, and, you know, works on their laptop there, you know, presumably they're, you know, is their work sourced outside Canada? I don't know. I think it might be. I think that I think that this is a problem that a lot of countries are dealing with the digital nomad, the remote worker thing. Um, but this has nothing to do with citizenship. Okay, what this has to do with is, uh, you know, are you able to uh, define work? as being sourced outside the country, et cetera. Yeah, it's two That's things, good. right? It's it's the like you said, it's gonna get harder to um to leave the tax residency and leave the tax system of a lot of these countries, of Canada, of Europe, et cetera. And then the other piece, I guess, is maybe countries implementing more citizenship based taxation. So I think two different things, but I think they are interrelated. Well, we'll see. Um I'm going to guess no on the citizenship taxation thing. Um, I think that, you know, that this type of decision is so monumental that I think they'd probably look, all countries should look at the U.S. experience and the horror of it. So I'm going to guess no on that. Uh, but that's a different issue from, uh, you know, playing around with rules for severing tax residency and, and rules for income sources and things like that. So we'll see. I mean, I do agree that taxation is becoming a bigger and bigger problem. Um, and I think that people ought to be paying attention to that. You know, because of that, I do agree that generally speaking, uh, <laughs> the more opportunities people have to live outside their country of residence, Definitely the better. Um, we'll see. But something as draconian as the U.S. system, uh, I would find hard to imagine 
<laughs> Maybe we can leave it on that. So uh, why don't we leave it on this? Yeah. It's because of U.S. citizenship taxation, the sun never sets on the injustice of the U.S. taxes. <laughs> well, we can only thank justice warriors like yourself, John, for fighting the good fight, helping U.S. citizens uh, get this whole mess sorted out. Um, obviously, you have a very specialized skill set, so we're very happy that you took the time today to speak with us. Um, maybe you could take this moment to tell people how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, sure. Well, um, you know, if you were to go to my website, which is citizenshipsolutionsplural.ca, citizenshipsolutions.ca, or um, I guess a lot of people are aware of me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is expatriation law. E expatriation, E X P A T R I A T I O N law. And, uh, you know, I'd be glad to uh, help you think your way through this problem, which is uh, not a simple problem. I mean, let me say this look, all citizenships have value, okay? And there are people who are willing to pay. Look at the EB5 program you know, substantial money to get U.S. citizenship, or in that case, the green card leaving the citizenship. Um, I don't think they're fully informed, but, you know, that's my view of that particular program. But this is all relative, right? I mean, it's one thing for, you know, people like me who are sitting here in a first world democracy, you know, to downplay the value of U.S. citizenship. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of people in the world who would be glad to have it. And I think that that's worth being part of the thought process and the discussion. Yep. Everyone's citizenship situation is different. And I guess we can only recommend that people reach out to John Richardson personally, if they want help with their situation. Uh, I'd add, you could probably mention my Latin life that you heard about John through my Latin life and John will treat you super nice. Um, again, John Richardson counselor for us persons abroad. This has been another episode of the, my Latin life podcast. Thanks everyone for listening.